Welcome to Women in Electronics, the only show that empowers, develops, advocates, and celebrates the accomplishments and advancement of women in the electronics industry. With your host, Jackie Maddox. Well, hello. We're here again today with our Leader in Highlights series, and we have Mike Calabria from Abercon. Thank you, Mike, for joining us today. Thank you, Jackie, for having me. All right. Well, I'm excited to interview you. Um, first of all, what I'll do is just, you know, have you explain what your position is at Abercon. What does that entail? Um, and then we'll get going into, like, how you got your start in the industry. But if you could just explain your title and what you do. Sure. I'm uh, currently the president and CEO of Abracon, and I manage the day-to-day operations of our company on a global basis. Uh, we are a private equity-owned company, and, and thus uh, the people that do own us uh, do not know much about this business. And their structure is such as they put an industry uh, veteran, strong leader in place to, to manage the company. Uh, they provide the financial uh, capital needs we need to grow the company, continue to invest in, in the company. This is the second private equity company that's owned Abricon. The first private equity company owned us for about three years and sold us to another private equity company. And prior to that, we were owned by two individuals uh, who started Abricon from a, the garage level up. One of those tech stories of two guys starting something in their garage and, and growing it into a company. Whoa, I love those stories of the uh, garage uh, stories. We have so many of them in our industry. So since you started with that, let me just ask you then, what is it as far as the strength of Abercon in our industry? We're going to backtrack in a little bit and, and, and talk to you about your start in the industry and all that. But since we're talking about um, the initial start of Abercon, what maybe you can just elaborate on that story a little bit, how it got started, and then what what's the strength of Abercon in the industry? Abercon is about a 25, 26-year-old company, and it has a, a strategy of completely outsourcing its production and was a pioneer in that uh, direction uh, compared to other companies. Today, it's very common that companies outsource their production, but 26 years ago, uh, that was not the norm of, of a company. Uh, we pride ourselves on our commitment to the distribution channel. We currently uh, drive 98% of our revenue through the distribution channel. I don't know of another supplier that puts that much through the channel. Uh, we're very easy to do business with. Uh, we understand the distribution channel. One of the advantages I have, having spent a good portion of my career over 40 years in distribution, I understand good supplier interaction what the best suppliers have done to be successful in distribution. And sometimes they tell people that's the Abracon competitive advantage. Our leadership has well over 100 years of experience in distribution. So we know how to interact with the distributors. We know how a smaller supplier can get the attention of the larger distributors. Uh, and that's been the key to our success. We operate in a technology of uh, timing devices, which require a lot of engineering interface with customers. Uh, customers don't normally have experts in our product area. They tend to be more in the digital microprocessor semiconductor area. So they lean heavily on a smaller company like us to supply that expertise to help them design their products. We've expanded our portfolio since I've been here uh, the last five years to include uh, antenna products and some uh, power management products, which have been extremely successful for us. In fact, today, antennas are our fastest growing product that 
that we sell uh, through the channel. Since I've been on board, we've more than doubled our revenue, uh, both on the top line and bottom line. So it's been a great success story. We've brought a lot of new experienced people into the company. Uh, today, uh, only about 15% of the employees were here when I started, uh, both through growth and uh, the addition of experienced people. We've uh, brought a whole new look to Abracon and a whole new image out into uh, the marketplace. And at the end, it's like any other company. The people are the success of Abricon. We can have great products and great technologies. It comes down to people, a solid strategy that you're successfully executing. Wow, that sounds really great. So I think what that leads us into is maybe you're right now in that position to help Abricon grow. So what is your background in the industry? How did you get started? How did you end up here? And how is it that you're able to take Abricon to that next level? So... Can you just talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm a, one of those guys uh, coming out of college in his 70s, not sure what they wanted to do. Was at a, a family event with a relative who talked to me about getting into sales in the distribution industry, which was pretty much at its infancy state compared to where it is today. But many of the people I believe that entered the business during the 70s, it was a relative or a friend that told them about it because we were not household names. People did not know much about the electronic component uh, business. I took him up on it. I joined with a small local specialty distributor at that point uh, to learn about the industry, learn the old-fashioned way. The owner put me in the warehouse. Here I am out of college, and I'm working in a warehouse uh, to learn the parts, to understand the product, understand the process that's involved in distribution. From there, he had me go into customer service, then into inside sales, and then eventually into uh, outside sales. Once I established a, a name in the industry and outside sales, I was recruited by a larger distributor that many people to today may not know, but it was called Kiroff Electronics. They were a West Coast-based distributor that had opened up on the East Coast. You may have noticed from my accent, I grew up in New York. Uh, so I uh, joined Kiroff, uh, worked with them for a while, and uh, along came uh, one of the leaders in the industry, Arrow, that recruited me. Uh, from Kirov. In fact, later on in my years at Arrow, they, they purchased Kirov. Uh, but I moved on to Arrow and inside sales and then just progressed in a normal expansion of a career growth into sales management, ran a branch, then got recruited to go work in a corporate office, which when you're a field salesperson, you refer to them as the other people, the corporate people, uh, but got talked into going over into corporate to uh, work in a corporate position of uh, running their military semiconductor business. And from there, I held various different vice president uh, roles at Arrow, got involved in many new programs that they were, were rolling out. I rolled out programming centers for them, implant stores, heavily involved in the days of corporate uh, rebates with customers to grow sales. Uh, and then uh, was put on a task force uh, by our then CEO, Steve Kaufman, to look at the non-semiconductor business of Arrow and understand how that would grow. And at that point, we called it the PEMCO business. It still carries that tag. Some people call it uh, IP&E. And we made the decision to spin off a division called Capstone. And I went over there as one of the leaders to run Capstone, along with a, an industry veteran, West Sagawa. And we built this uh, non-semiconductor business from a very small player uh, to one of the leaders. And at that point, uh, our CEO then rolled Capstone back into Arrow, and I continued working on that PEMCO side and had success growing that business till it was, when I left, we were doing over a billion and a half dollars in uh, North America in that those products. 
I made a decision after 35 years at Arrow that I was going to retire from that role. It was big corporate America. I decided I'd go home, think about what I wanted to do next. I wasn't sure I wanted to be a sit-at-home retirement, but I wanted to get back involved with a smaller company. I then got involved with private equity based on my uh, experience at Arrow doing many acquisitions. They had me do some due diligence on companies. One of the companies was Abricon. Uh, they ended up buying Abricon, asking me to go on the board, and within six months asked me to take over the leadership of the company. That's what brought me here today uh, at Abricon. I moved from uh, beautiful Denver, Colorado, uh, to Austin, Texas, to take on this role uh, at Abricon. And along the way, when I uh, landed here, I reached out to many of the experienced people I knew in the industry to recruit them into the Abercon we have today and help us drive the success we've had. Wow, this is really an interesting story because I think you know it shows longevity in the industry. However, lots of changes, lots of roles along the way, lots of experience. This leads me to our next question because we talk so much in our industry. We 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 are at a time where we are not seeing that we have enough talent coming up into the leadership roles. Um, The next five or 10 years, it looks like we'll have a lot of people retiring and we're not seeing what's going to happen necessarily with all those positions. So what would your advice be to the next leaders coming up into the industry? What type of leadership styles do you see as successful? What do you notice as a difference between when you were working your way up and the current new talent working their way up now. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, Jack, you make a great statement about our industry being an aging industry. When you go to industry events and meetings, uh, you can see that uh, there has been a progression of age. And uh, I think a lot of that has been driven from the cycles we live with in this business. And when the cycles are on the downside, we tend to contract the uh, employment base and in many times, it's the new younger people over the years that were eliminated as cost reductions uh, came into play because with less employees, the companies felt they had to use the more experienced people in those roles. I think over time, some of that has changed now with companies realizing they need to build that next generation of leadership and uh, employee base. At Abricon, uh, I've made an effort to bring a lot of new people, younger people into the company our average age is around 30 years old at Abricon, which is not the norm with most uh, suppliers. Uh, advice I have, uh, I mentor a lot of people here. We have an organized mentoring program at Abricon. Uh, I brought it over from my days at Arrow of mentoring people. I think it's very important to career development to have mentors. But there's a change in some of the thought process uh, in generational. I think they are more digital-minded. They feel very comfortable working remotely. This world of virtue virtual uh, meetings that we're involved with today with the the COVID situation, they're very comfortable in that environment, where I believe some of the people that are in the leadership positions today uh, are more comfortable face-to-face and not as familiar with the values and the capabilities they can have doing business uh, virtually. I think that uh, some of the things that I would tell up-and-comers is nothing replaces hard work and nothing replaces a person taking control of their career and making sure they develop their career in the correct manner. There are certain aspects of career growth that people have to experience, and they have to make sure they get a well-rounded career base in mind. And what I mean by that, if you're very good in the sales side, take the chance to go work on an operational side of the business or a product management side. Round out your career 
Because as you grow as a leader, it's important that you under, understand all the aspects of a business. And I think one of the clear benefits I've had in leadership role is I've walked in a lot of people's shoes. I've had those jobs. I understand the challenges that many people face. And it gives you a, a chance to, to really understand your employee base if you've had that broad experience. So I clearly tell people who want a leadership position to make sure you get a good broad base of experience as you uh, advance your career. I'd say one of my frustrations is some of the people I deal with expect careers to move along faster than they actually do. And they get a little frustrated that it doesn't move along quickly. And I think that's where mentoring can come in and play a major role of helping people understand that it isn't just the, the short term of them doing well and being successful. It's a lot of learning they go through. I go back to my early management days and some of the challenges that I look back at today as being a more experienced person in, in the management roles. And you have to be careful as you're up and coming that you have a mentor that guides you through the fact of there are people that do things different than you. Successful people think everybody needs to do it the same way they do to be successful. And I learned through my career that I would that I meant to managers that people do things in different ways and can be just as successful. And you have to understand that they're different. People have different behavioral characteristics. Not everybody's an A personality, and you don't have to be an A personality to be successful. People have different personalities and use the strengths they have of those personalities uh, to be successful. And uh, just being right isn't always the answer. It, you can win that battle, but you lose the war. And that's another aspect is as you become a more mature uh, manager and you build uh, business maturity, you begin to understand those roles and it makes you a better manager. And I think that's part of growing leadership is people have to start to understand them. You can manage people, you can manage projects, but there's a leap that you go from being a manager to being a leader. And a leader is understanding all those aspects that you'll learn along the road of being a manager. So that's what I would tell managers. Be patient, work hard, put a lot of effort into uh, developing your own career. Don't wait for people to come to you to develop it. You should always be thinking ahead about the position you want to have and what development you need to undertake to get to that position. Very good point. We, we've had some other interviews with leaders like yourself, and they say the same thing is – it's really important for people to make a plan for their, where they want to go in their careers and, and vocalize it with their superiors so they can be helped to get there. They can get the mentorship or they can get the other projects they need to, to get to get the experience. So um, making that plan and really communicating it is super important. But I also wanted to ask you, so with women in electronics, we focus on talent development, in particular to women in the industry, because we have maybe about 15% women in upper-level management positions, and we'd like to see that improve um, in the industry. So I just wanted to ask you, so what do you think are some of the challenges that women face compared to men, if you feel that that exists at all in our industry? Well, there's always the one challenge that... Uh women have and they need to make big decisions around it and that is having a family uh, it's pure science that it takes a woman to have a family and a woman is going to be the one that bears having the children and too many women that i've known in the industry have been put in a position where they have to put their career on hold when they make that decision and i think that's a huge obstacle to come for them to overtake they're out of the business sometimes for years they start to question themselves of what value they have. Have they lost touch with where business is? 
and we've taken an approach at Abercon, and I think more companies have to to look at that part of a woman's career and find a way to be flexible to help them through that part of the career. Uh, we allow people to go on maternity leave and then ease back into the workspace. Uh, many people that haven't lived through a career uh, person in their house that's of a female gender, my wife's a career person, it's not easy for them to just hand the baby over to child care for them to feel comfortable giving the baby to someone else. Sometimes I think the, the man in the house or the husband is more comfortable with it than, than the woman is. That baby grew inside them. They have a maternal attachment to them. And I think companies need to be flexible around it. But I think as I look through the career growth of women at senior leadership roles, too many times the women that have sacrificed motherhood make it further along in the career because companies have not been as flexible. So I don't know how we overcome that uh, for women other than being more flexible and companies and leaders have to be more understanding that if you want that strong female talent to grow within your company, you need to be flexible if they make the decision that they want to start a family and find a way uh, to make that a comfortable environment and that they can keep their, their career going. The other one I would put is uh, an obstacle is that uh, men and women display frustrations in a different manner. And I think that sometimes uh, women are more willing or, or, or their style is to let emotion show. And they let emotion show uh, sometimes being frustrated and, and uh, being brought to tears over something. And I think that uh, men have a tendency to revert to anger when they get into that situation. I think that's two different areas and too many times a woman's expression of that is sometimes viewed as a weakness, and the male's uh, showing of it is not looked at as a weakness. And in my mind, as a leader, as I've grown in my career, those are two things you have to help people through, is how they display and how they work through their frustrations. Uh, so those would be the two biggest obstacles I see uh, for women. Women tend not to be angry and, and tend to show their emotions on their sleeve versus showing it in a way of anger. And uh, I think when it's even something that's visible. Uh, as a leader, you need to, to work with your people uh, through those challenges they have. Well, that's an excellent point, because I think mostly everybody would agree with that. I do think that there's more grace in the business world for anger versus tears. <laughs> so we... Absolutely. Yes. So we have to, I've seen people throw computers across the room. <laughs> and so it, it, it's definitely a difference. Um, but, you know, we're, we're about to wrap it up here, maybe just a couple more minutes. It seems like it's gone so fast with you today. I wish we had a lot more time. But really, since we're talking about this issue, I think it would be important to ask, too, do you feel that men face certain obstacles in today's world uh, versus women? Or what, what do you think the challenges are that men face? You know, I'd say in general, I try to avoid gender separation. And when I look at my employees, I, in fact, have more women direct reports than I do uh, men reporting to me right now. I have a very diversified staff. I think that's important as a leader. I go back to the development you have as a leader. I think you get various inputs from people of different backgrounds, different career development, and, and gender. They look at it differently. I think probably the biggest challenge men have is their, their anger as one that they go through. And I think also them being able to uh, relate more broadly uh, to diversity. I think women relate to it a lot easier. They've been exposed to it and have had challenges put in front of it because of it. Some men have not had those challenges. 
and they don't recognize how to manage through those. So I think that's one of the challenges I put for men is they need to understand that. I think uh, with my wife being a career person, I've had good exposure through my career of, of what she's gone through, how to handle it, the things as a male leader that I have to be sensitive to uh, in the work environment. So that's probably their biggest challenge is their ability to accept diversity, understand diversity, and know how to manage different types of people. And of course, as we talked a little bit earlier, when they are a person that displays anger, controlling that part of the anger, because that is a weakness that they need to overcome. Well, thank you so much. I would say that uh, excellent points that you've made. We definitely know through the research that diverse teams make better decisions and also profits are directly related to a more inclusive and diverse team. So it sounds like you have that at Abercon. I think I commend you for that. I think um, you're going to be very successful. Obviously, you already have been. And I uh, wish I had more time to talk to you. I think we'll wrap it up for today. But I just wanted to thank you very much for joining us. I am, would love to chat with you again another time. And I know that you have a new employee working for you now that you've worked with before, um, Amy Keller, who's one of my dear friends and also an executive director at Women Electronics. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I hired Amy into this business back when uh, she was newly out of school. She had a, had a short-term job uh, in the oil industry and then entered into the electronics. And uh, we're extremely excited to have her on board the organization here. And she'll bring a tremendous amount of talent and, once again, some more uh, interesting diversity to our team. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We'll look forward to talking to you another time and have a blessed day. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to another episode of Women in Electronics right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.